Welcome to the Sunday Morning Meeting Podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Brian Blackwell. Well, good morning. It's lovely to be back with you and uh, sharing it once again. Um, I don't know about you, but I love stories. I, I love when I was growing up um, uh, reading Enid Blyton, and, this, and by, by the time I you know, managed to uh, have her help me learn how to read properly, you know, as a student, I used to love reading Lord of the Rings and, and stories of Arthur and, and uh, the Knights of the Round Table and all sorts of things. I just love stories. I love telling stories. Um, one of the things I loved as a, as a dad would be reading to my kids every night before they went to bed. When we went on holidays, um, we'd always take a book with us, or, and, or I'd take a book, and, and every night when we were on, on holiday, I'd be reading a, a particular story. We re- I remember us reading The Hobbit, Watership Down, when they were smaller, The Magic Faraway Tree, and all sorts of things. And I, would, I, I loved kind of trying to do voices uh, for each one of them. It was one of the, it's one of the thrills. I love stories. Storytelling is part of the human nature. It's part of human culture and tradition. It's something I, you know, that we all hopefully enjoy doing. As the church, there are three stories I want to mention this morning that are probably more important than all the other ones put together. The first one is the story of God. If the Bible was a play that you were going to a theater to watch, there'd be all sorts of bit-part actors. The the also cast, who would every now and then play, have a little cameo role and walk on the stage and, do, and play their part. And some of them, are, I just love reading about them. Some, you, know, you probably have your favorite hero, you know, your personal favorites. King David is one of mine. Ezekiel is another one of mine. I just love reading certain stories about some of these people. But there's one character who is the star of the whole show, and it's what this book is about, and it's God. The wonderful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who from beginning to end is the actor on the stage. And if we, if we miss him in reading this book, we've missed the whole point of the story. So this morning I want to share with you three stories that are important to us in the life of Christ, in, the, in our journey as disciples and followers of him. The first is telling the story of God. The second is in telling the story of the church. And the third, equally as important as the second one, is your living story. So let me just talk about it. Storytelling is part of human history. For millennia, families, tribes, nations have related to, from generation to generation the important stories that have become their collective history, that have formed their culture, that have influenced their behaviors and styles. They've done it long before they were able to write. I don't know if any of you know what this is. I better not drop it, otherwise I'll smash the pulpit, as Paul calls it. Um, anybody know what this is? I know that Brian and Shauna Ward will know what this is, because they've been to Canada. It's called an Inukshuk. Okay? It's not that I'm speaking kind of Greek or in tongues, that's what it's called. It's an Inukshuk. It's a structure, it's like you can see, it's kind of a man. It's a structure that the Inuit peoples of the, of the high Arctic build and construct. 
They live in a, in, a, in a land where when it snows, it's very flat, and for, you, you can see for 50 to 100 miles in any direction because the air is so clear. And it's flat and white, you get lost 20 yards from leaving home. You need guides to help you along the way. And so what the Inuit people do is they build inukshuks like this. And what, part of it has got like little, the arms stick out. And they have different types of inukshuks. Some of them they will put down and it will point the way to safety. If you, if you follow this line and they'll stand, some of them are huge. I've got a picture of one in Nunavut, which is massive. And it'll point the way as you're traveling through the wasteland and you need to know how to get to shelter or safety. There's the nookshot will show you where. Some might show you where there's good hunting, where there's good food to be found. They have all sorts. Some of them tell the story of their particular tribe and they'll have them in villages. And this is, this is becoming one of the national symbols now of Canada. When you read the Bible, there's kind of inukshuks in the Bible. The early fathers would you, sometimes, if a momentous occasion happened, or a significant uh, decision or covenant was made, they would build a pile of stones. Abraham did it when he made a covenant with some of the tribes around him. They, they, they raised a pile of stones. Every time they looked at those stones, it told the story. Jacob, as he was leaving his family's home to go uh, back to Haran, to his, uh, his ancestors' um, original homeland, and, and on this journey of God, he, one night he slept in a place called Bethel, or he, which he named Bethel, and he had the encounter of the stairway to heaven. Angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, and he had a vision of Jesus. And he said, surely God is in this place. So he built a pile of stones. And he said to the Lord, if I ever come back, if you bring me back safely to this land, I will worship you in this place. And 20 years later, that's exactly what he did. And he, was, he passed it on to his that, that pile of stones as he t explained it to his children. This was where I encountered God. This has is, this is set out the family story ever since. So we see those things. I've heard some commentators say that sometimes before um, they started, they were using the written uh, text that sometimes they might even carve things on the family staff. The leader of the family would have a staff. They were usually a, a, a shepherding nomadic culture. They would, they would carve things of the family history on the staff, and the father would pass the staff to the son, the head of the family, and they could read the family story. Abraham, father of Isaac. I don't know how they did it, but that's one of the things, and I thought, I like it. They record their encounters. Moses was a man brought up in the way of the, of the, uh, of the Egyptians, learned in all their skills, and, and it was probably Moses who began to write down, translate the oral tradition into the written tradition, into the scriptures, and into the Torah that we have, uh, that he gave to the church. And parents were instructed to tell their children the story of God and recount it so that they would imprint them on their hearts and so that they would learn to follow God and not make the mistakes that they made in the past. Certain stories became foundational to their faith and their identity and, and the nation of Israel was built up 
on these stories. The Jewish people would return time and time again to the story of their founding patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they'd remind themselves of the covenant that they had made with Yahweh to be a people set apart unto God, his chosen people on the earth. One period in their history was recounted more times than others. Uh, what thrilled my heart was as we were praying before the service began, our brilliant drummer was praying and he was literally praying through what I'm, I was, I'm saying now because one of those stories was that journey through the wilderness to a promised land and a journey that we're on. They, time and time and time again, they returned to this miraculous time when God delivered them out of slavery in Egypt and he took them through, uh, through an event called, which they now called the Passover into the, into the promised land. It would take a journey that would take 40 years. But from that day on, the Passover meal every year has been shared within families in the same way. Apparently, last weekend it coincided with Easter, I think, uh, was Passover weekend. And all over the world, Jewish families would have come together for a Seder meal where they would have recounted the, the, way, the, the, the signs and wonders that happened in Egypt, how the angel of the Lord had passed over and had saved them through the blood, which we now know to be the blood of Jesus, how they'd been led out into the wilderness and had crossed the Red Sea, and how the Egyptian army had been destroyed by others. It's fascinating today that Jews still gather to do it. Even atheistic Jews gather to do the Seder meal. I don't know how, what's going on in their minds, but, it, it, but it, it's, it's a reminder of their shared identity, of their shared journey. Scripture is full of these stories, of heroes of the faith, of David, of the building of a nation, of the building of a tent, of the building of a temple, of the spiritual failure that led to exile. It's an amazing story building up to this incredible climax when the word became flesh and made his home among us and Jesus stepped into uh, the human story as a man. Jesus used storytelling as, as a major part of his ministry. You know, I, I put, we, we love to tell them to our children, I love reading the stories of Jesus and through the Holy Spirit learning what these parables mean, such rich and depth and meaning to remind ourselves. Why? Because stories build faith. They build us up, they encourage us to keep following on this road of discipleship. Others have walked the road before us, and I'm following in a one who walked a road and said, come follow me. The story of God matters through all of that journey. And now as the church, the church is to get, part, part of the reason the church gathers is to tell the story of the people of God. The body of Christ are the inheritors of the promises of God. So we are now part of the story, the ongoing narrative. It's an unfolding one. The Gospels are the story of Jesus given to his very first followers. They give a different perspective on the same absolute truth that runs through it. And over and over again, we read the wonderful works of Jesus and what he was doing to build a church and to focus us on our mission. The Acts expand the story and take it into the ongoing journey of when Jesus said, go into all the nations of the earth and share the good news. 
the Acts shows how that begins to go. And the wider, not only for the wider church family, but within it, you see individual journeys taking place. Paul and others recount their, their, their personal encounters of faith as they went through this. And it adds to this growing narrative. And as the church is gathered, they love to hear the stories of what God is doing around. I don't know about you, but when, I love listening to missionaries. I hate it if I've got my wallet because somehow they always, I always get this pain in my wallet when I hear missionaries. But I love hearing missionary stories, don't you? They come back and they tell to share about what God is doing in the lives, in the nations that we, we can never get to. And you hear of transformation and renewal in the lives of people. I love it. But I also love hearing the stories of the everyday, of people in the church, of what God is doing in their workplaces, in their homes, and in and in the coffee shops and on the beach walking the dogs. I, I joined, I've joined the Scarborough walking group. Every Thursday morning we go for a five-mile walk with our dogs. I met a gentleman this week and I just said, hey, tell me your story. And he just taught me his life. Then he asked the fatal question, what, did, what brought you to Scarborough? <laughs> so I told him. <laughs> oh, that's interesting, he said. <laughs> so I'm preaching this Sunday if you want to tune in. If you're there, hi. But, um, but as people share stories, grow, faith grows, it's fed. Stories of God's provision, stories of prophecy. We've just heard a testimony about God providing a beautiful home and a spacious place for, for a family to settle and develop into the next stage of their journey. New prophecies are given, new songs are sung, and they're added to this collective journey. As each church community links us to the wider church now and through the generations that are to come, the link goes to something so much bigger. I love reading stories of the saints, biographies. And let me encourage you, if you never get sometimes get some of the biographies of the great of great saints. I have my favourites. Um, growing up, Hudson uh, as a young believer, Hudson Taylor was probably one of the great influences of my life. Who, who went out to China, the, the, formed the China Inland Mission, and and did you know, one of the first missionaries to start living um, as uh, in the culture as part of the culture. What he went to, and had an amazing work in transformation. And out of that came all sorts of other missions around the world. It, my Kath has her favourite is Amy Carmichael the incredible missionary to India, bringing up, um, fostering and adopting children who were being offered to, the, to, uh, to become prostitutes in the temples and abused in the temples and rescuing these children at Donapur. And, and, but her, her writings are just profound. Jim Elliott was a man, part of the Ecuador Five, who lost his life. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose, was Jim Elliott's quote as him and four others lost their lives to the Alka Indians, and his wife, Elizabeth Elliot, and Nate Saint's wife, went in and led the tribe to Christ. I was one of those people in that generation in the 70s that read that story and thought, I want to, I want to be like this man, inspired by faith, Billy Graham, Brother Un. Brother Andrew, I remember seeing Brother Andrew as a young believer, talking about him smuggling Bibles into, in, across the Iron Curtain in those days. And you think, wow, this is, these guys have really got it. Let me encourage you to read some of those biographies. But finally, let me encourage you as well to tell your story. For the wonderful truth about being a Christian 
and entering onto this journey is that you are living by the Spirit of God, inheriting the promises of God. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone, which means you this morning, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new person, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It means you are being changed, that you are on a journey with Christ of transformation so he can make you more like Jesus. So you, day by day by day, as you follow Jesus, a story is being written and you have a story to, sh to tell. The full expression of sonship in the kingdom of God means that you take hold of what it means to be a child of God. If you follow Jesus day by day, you have a story. Now, you might say, oh, well, you know, I'm just an ordinary person. I don't, you know, I've never had a spectacular life. I've never done this, that, and the other. I'm just an ordinary person. Well, so, bless you, so are we all. I only have, you know, God hasn't done amazing things in my life. Yes, he has. The scriptures are full of it. One of my favorite stories is of the conversion of a man who was born blind. And you know the story, one day, you know, he's sitting um, in, outside in the temple courts and he hears a crowd coming along and Jesus comes along and then, then he hears a kind of <laughs> noise. And Jesus spits on the ground. He makes some mud with the soil, with his spit, and then he smears it on this guy's eyes. <laughs> you imagine you're sitting there begging, you know, you not mind your own business, and suddenly... <laughs> And the guy, and, G, and Jesus says, just go to the pool of Siloam and ha have a wash. Wash it off. And he washes it off, and he opens his eyes, and he can see. It's in John chapter 9. It's a great story. He gets into all sorts of trouble for it. He can see for the first time in his life. Over 30 years, this man's been blind. And he can see for the first time. He gets into trouble. He gets pulled in to, uh, you know, to the religious guys who say, you can't do, you know, this, this, this guy's healing on, this, on a Saturday. You can't do that. That's the day off. And, it's, and, and they ask him stories. They, they ask him, try and get him, you know, they, they try and grill this guy. Come on, this guy must have been a fake and everything. And he hasn't a clue. He doesn't even know who Jesus is. He hasn't seen him. So they say to this man, come on, tell us, the guy who did this must be a bad piece of work because he did this on a church day. You can't do that on a church day. And he comes out, John 9, 25 is the most, one of the most wonderful verses. He says, whether he's a bad person or a, you know, a sinner, I don't know. I only know one thing. Once I was blind, now I can see. Now you can't argue with that. John Newton, the, 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 the former slave trader who, became, who came to Christ, became a vicar, wrote probably the most well-known song on planet Earth today. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. He only knew one thing. You may only know one thing. I once was in a mess, and Jesus saved me. That's a miracle, isn't it? So let me encourage you, no matter what you've got, to share it. There was a man who had all sorts of demonic problems that Jesus met when he went across the, the, on a boat to the, Gadda, uh, to the area of, of, Gad, of Gadda, the Gadarenes. I don't know what that means. But this man got his life sorted out. He's, he, got, he got clothed. He was in his right mind. And he said to Jesus, can I follow you and come with you? And Jesus said, no, go home and tell everybody what you've seen and what the Lord has done for you. 
So he does, and ten towns are changed. I think there must have been small villages or what, but certainly in the, in the, in the days following the resurrection, these people, went, you know, these people were ready for the disciples to come, and the church communities grew up in these areas through one man. There was a lady by a well who had all sorts of kind of relationship issues that we read about in John 4. And Jesus has this interaction with her and she goes into the town and says, come and see a man who taught me everything, that, you know, all about, you know, he knew all about me. And in John 4.42, it's wonderful. It's that the people of the town say to this woman, it is no longer because of your words that we believe. Because we've now seen for ourselves and we know that this is the saviour of the world. A whole village is changed because one lady has one encounter. We have stories to tell. The story of how you came to faith and what Jesus has done for you is a miracle. It is one of the greatest miracles you'll ever see. Salvation, because it, the, the Son of God died on a cross and was risen from the dead by the Father so that you might have eternal life. I have seen fantastic miracles. I've seen great healings and all sorts in my life. That is the greatest of it all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's your personal miracle story. And we love hearing about miracles, don't we? Every time I reflect on my own testimony, my faith grows. I think, yeah, this really is true. This works. I'm still here. So let me encourage you. Think about your story and how you can share it. It might be simple. It might have been, you know, that we don't, you know or it could be the full five-hour epic. But think about how you, someone you can share it with in the days ahead. Always have it ready. Peter says, always be prepared to give an account to anyone who calls you to fend for the hope that you have within you, but do it with gentleness and with reverence. But have it ready. And then there's daily stories. Every morning, as I shared last time, I begin my day with my little walk in the vineyard based on Song of Songs 7. And every morning there's something new, a bud, a flower, a shoot, some fruit, a twig. Where it is, little foxes that run around, all sorts of things. Saw a badger the other night, that was cool. Didn't get it in the vineyard though. But we had little things to share. I've been, I encourage some of you to, to t share things with me. So far, three people regularly have been telling me what God has been saying. I get thrilled because they've had an encounter with Jesus and they're telling me what Jesus has said to them. That's amazing. This uh, last Tuesday night, uh, Kath and I joined our. Uh, House church for the first time on Zoom. It's nice to start to get to know some of the people who were able to join in on that. It was great. During the course of the evening, we were sharing, some, sharing stories. One person shared how they, on, what they wake up some mornings and God's put a song in their head. It, it's, a, it's like a chorus or a worship song is, blaz, is blasting away in their head. And it just sets up their day. But then they said, you know, you begin to think, am I a bit odd? So the Lord popped, as he always does, Zephaniah 3.17 into my head. I know you, all, you guys sitting here all know that. But let me bless you with Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who is mighty to save. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. So as I just shared, this person 
Well, actually, that's quite biblical. God loves singing. He's just put one of his songs in your head. Enjoy it. They, were, they sent me a little WhatsAppy buzz afterwards. Still tingling from that verse. It's highlighted in my Bible. Somebody else shared how they'd been visiting their, pet, their family and they've only been a Christian a little while. But beginning to see the first signs of, of their family showing an interest in spiritual things. And I, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, this is great. My faith was built up. That's what it's all about on that journey. When lockdown finishes and you're, we're able to meet again in, in our house churches and in, th- in small groups, let me encourage you to make that a regular part of your meeting together. I know you want to discuss what Romans means and, and Revelation and, and, you know, and all these other things that you do. But let me encourage you, make a regular part of your meetings to share the living stories of God, what God is doing in your lives, one another, and pray for one and encourage one another. Let me encourage you to learn how to do that by speaking English, not Christianese. Learn to, learn to speak that English. You know. Or, you know, I just want to show you that I was righteously sanctified by the overpowering blood of the Lord Jesus last week as he took me into an, an, an amazing encounter. I have no clue what you're talking about. Learn to do it in English. In English so that, but let me encourage you to start inviting some of your friends who don't know Jesus yet to come into those meetings. There's nothing that we do where we can't invite somebody to, jo- to join in with us who maybe doesn't know Jesus yet. You know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing secret. So let's learn to invite some of these people, but we need to learn to speak in such a way that they might understand what we're talking about. In all our years in student ministry... Oh, I need to finish, sorry. In student ministry, we used to, when the students used to come to our home, we had a regular time of students sharing. We'd get them to share what God had been saying in their daily times with him, in the things they'd been praying about, in the conversations they'd have. And we'd have these, it was called, Sunday night was share and prayer. One Sunday, sometimes it went really well. Sometimes it was like pulling teeth out of people. Um, but one Sunday night, it was really going well. About 40 plus students were jammed into our lounge. A young man was there called Dave. Dave had got no background in anything to do with the Christian faith, but he, he was fascinated because the guy in, his next, in, in the room next door in, ho- in residence would come home each week buzzing, and he wanted to know what was so exciting for this guy. So he came along, he sat there, and as people shared their stories, the power of God came on him. The Holy Spirit hit him. And suddenly this voice spoke up and said, can I say something, please? Now, being Christians, they all knew that there was a person who wasn't a Christian in the room. So silence comes. And I said, of course you can, Dave. What would you like to say? And he said, can I become one of you? I said, of course you can. Are you saying you'd like to become a Christian and meet Jesus, Dave? Suddenly all eyes are on me. What's he going to do now? And he said, yes, I would. I said, can you ask him to do something else for me? I said, what's that? He said, can I have my body back? He'd become paralyzed from the neck down. One of the students lifted his hand and it went, fluffy. He's six foot four and he was blocking the door. So in front of all these people, I just said, Dave, I took him through the gospel and he, and he confessed his sins. He asked Jesus Christ to come into his life and he was born again on the spot. And I said, has Jesus come in, Dave? And he said, yes, he has. How do you know? Well, I mean, he has a smile even today 
I still love. I mean, he's still a, he's a friend all these years later. And then we prayed, Lord, can you get this guy have his body back, please? Because he's blocking the door. We need to get out. And we did. You could have heard a pin drop. Dave had never heard a gospel presentation. He saw it in the lives of the people as they shared the life of Christ. So let me encourage you to do that. So, tell the story of God among one another, of his wonders, which is so important. Sing it and rejoice in it. He is the star on the stage, but each one of us also has this small part to play. But let me encourage you to keep recording your story and to share it with one another in a way that we can all understand and bring, feel a freedom to bring your friends into that story. You may not think it's a significant story, but God thinks it is, and he has the power to use it for his glory. God bless you all this morning. Amen. Thanks, Brian. That was a key message today. So uh, if you didn't quite get everything, go back and have another listen. That, that is exactly what God is doing amongst us and how we, it's taking on board these things as we emerge from lockdown because the church isn't locked down. We're coming into a time of awakening. We're coming into a time of breakout. But it's not going to be big meetings and well, we'll still have gatherings. But it's not the emphasis won't be on big meetings and big preaches, but on every single person realizing that they are a chosen one of God. Every single one of us is a disciple and every single one of us can be involved in disciple making because after all, it's the Holy Spirit that does it. So thanks, Brian. Uh, great message this morning. And um, as for uh, that, really, we've come to the end of the service. If you are sowing into uh, financially into the life of Kingdom Faith Church here in Yorkshire, then please go to our website, kingdomfaithyorkshire.com. And there you can find at the top of the screen little buttons that you can click on and it will take you to an inf information page that tells you different ways you can do it. One way is directly via PayPal, for example. So thank you very much. Uh, and I hope you've been blessed this morning. I know you've been blessed this morning. We had great worship. There was that anointing of peace. And we've just had a refreshing and anointed word straight from the heart of God. So be blessed this week. Have a great week and see you all soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.